What up, what up? I'm Adrian Young. I'm Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And we are The Midnight Hour. And you are listening to Mega Late Show. Skirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're youngin' up in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? We gotta get that demographic. <laughs> hey, peace. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the Mega Late Show. I just wanted to come in and give you guys a bit of a rundown on what this recording is, as it is not the typical format that you may be used to. Last weekend, I had a bit of uh, some health issues. I don't want to alarm anybody, but it definitely was something that I wanted to get checked out. And it turns out that it, it, it's not serious at all, just some medication. And uh, the symptoms and the issues are uh, subsiding, so things are all good over here. But I will have some new regular in-studio guest episodes coming up for you, you know, starting again next week. I think this is going to be a Friday release, and I won't have one on Tuesday as we do with our typical part twos. But, um, yeah, so this time I did a phone call with our good friend Tracy Jones, who some of you will recognize from the Fire This Time podcast that I've been doing with him. He is a writer uh, hailing from Florida, but a very worldly person. We talk a lot about his experiences in New York and upcoming projects that he has coming out that I wasn't even aware that he was doing. And because of the people who are in proximity to that project, uh, Uncommon NASA, uh, who is kind of an underground mythical type of legend um, from the definitive Jux era who still makes music and still has a podcast. Because we talk about these type of people, we go off on tangents about underground hip hop, which is kind of the same cloth that uh, Tracy's from. You guys know me as uh, an underground head. And we get, go into that. We talk a little about uh, about his writing, um, how he got started, some of the projects he's put out, and, and the attention they received. And then we kind of round out the episode talking about some of our new favorite albums and some albums that we uh, thought should be discussed, uh, namely uh, the last Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels Four, and um, Arm and Hammer, Billy Woods, some more underground type of hip hop stuff. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I would like you guys to hit the like button, hit the subscribe. Please share with a friend if you're enjoying the type of content we're putting out. Also, go check out the Fire This Time uh, podcast, which Tracy curates. And we come out um, every other Tuesday. So we just had one this past Tuesday. So in two weeks, we should have another one. There may be some issues um, scheduling that uh, between all of the, the, you know, the contributors. But, um, yeah, stay tuned for that. And uh, go check out the micro giant, the microscopic giant on Tracy's. Uh, that's where Tracy puts all his uh, his writing and everything. And man, I didn't realize this beat was so crazy. Shout out to Olive Oil out there in uh, southern Japan. But uh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry for the ramblings. Here comes the episode right now. We recorded this over Zoom, and that's why it's a little bit weird. I'm going to call this a temperature check, which is something that Late has been doing while he's out in Atlanta um, doing phone calls, so he should have some more of those out soon. I may continue doing that with him as well, um, but also reaching out to more prominent artists other than just our friends list and, and former guests. Check out the previous episode with Tracy at Mega Late Show episode 16, which is about three years ago at this point. And... Um, Man, this beat is crazy. Let's let's go into the episode. Let's see here. All right, man. Well, shoot. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, I think I'll record it. I'll record like a little intro before the podcast, um, just to introduce what we're doing. But uh, let's see. The last time you were a guest on the podcast was a long time ago, actually. I was just looking, and it was episode sixteen, and we're on like oh, one. Wow. Yeah, we're on 122 right now, 
and that's oh, with wow. us not counting every recording as an episode. Really, I think we're closer to like 150 uh, if you count all of our recordings that we didn't number as episodes. So, yeah, man, it's right. been a long time, at least two at least two years, I think. So, Jesus. Yeah, man, it's okay. good to have you back, though. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to, have to to be on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even uh, we haven't really been kicking it much um, outside of, you know, the internet, uh, online chats <laughs> with Zoom and everything because you know COVID. But uh, the yeah. last time we did anything together was the <clears throat> the B uh, the Brian Cross uh, gallery. When was that? Wait, when? Last year, right? Maybe mid last yeah, year we went I to that gallery. You. It feels like oh, it was that. Oh, that's right. The B-plus joint. Yeah, the B, yeah, the Brian Cross joint oh, okay. in uh, Sh- Shibuya, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me, uh, let me right. let you introduce yourself, though. Uh, my name is Tracy Jones. I'm a writer. Uh, I do the Microscopic Giant. That's that's my space online. Um, and I do, uh, I write for anywhere from Bandcamp to uh, LA Weekly. Uh, right now I'm writing for Tokyo Weekender. Um, I also write for, well, sorry, for, I'm trying to think. Uh, if you look on microscopicgiant.com, uh, you know, I got I got my article, a lot of articles on there. And I also do uh, The Fire This Time with your boy, Mega. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been plugging the, uh, the Fire This Time podcast virtually, like pretty much on every episode. I try to get it off right in the Aww. beginning. Well. You know, I actually like doing it quite a bit. It's it's a departure from the type of conversations that I really have on the Mega Late Show. Uh, well, it's actually really cool to see you in that light, to see you, you know, switch gears like that. And I just like the fact that, you know, you and I talk about things other than just hip hop. And I really see you at a, from a different angle. Um, I do actually, I have some news. Uh, I don't know if I, you want me to share it now, but... Yeah, that'd be cool. Because um, it's hip hop related. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I don't have a release date yet, but uh, I think the Human Cloud EP, which is a, a EP that I recorded between the age of man, I was probably between the age of 20 and 25 when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I mean, I was you know I'm a poet, but. I got with, you know, a lot of my rap friends, you know, and they, they're always recording. So it was like, yo, you should record like some kind of spoken word album. But at the same time, everybody's rappers. So right. they're just like, yo, you like, you know, spit to the beat. And I'm like, uh, but I don't know how, but right. you know, I'm, I'm just kind of doing, you know, learning as I go along. And so, yeah, that was a, that was an EP that we did. It's produced by Zest Rock and Algernon. Um, Algernon is from a group called Non Specific. Zesto, uh, Zesto Q, he's a DJ, he's a producer, he's a rapper. Um, anyway, we were a part of a group called uh, Stolen Music Imprint, SMI, which was like Masai Bay, BMS from Company Flow. Uh, shout out to Tencho, shout out to uh, That Time Nine. Who else am I, am I forgetting anyone? Uh, unofficial member, peace to uh, Despot. Uh, did I mention Masai Bay? No. Um, oh, oh, these are really, a bunch of. You, oh, okay, so this is an album coming out, uh, like an album. Your album coming out? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Dope. an EP. Like I said, it's just like a spoken word joint. So, uh, it's called Human Cloud Abandonment. Uh, like I said, I was recorded when I was a kid, and That's I dope, never. Though. 
at, at first it was, you know, we used to press up CDs and sell them and whatever. Uh, but then uh, Uncommon NASA, who was the engineer for, you know, Funk Crusher Plus uh, Company Flow, yeah. uh, he, he stepped to me and was like, yo, I, I, dig, I dig the EP and I want to put it out on my label. So it was like, you know, a real honor. Oh, dope. Him big me up. Uncommon NASA is uh, putting it out. That's crazy. That's really so dope. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's reissuing it. And because uh, he put it out before, this was in like 2006. And now he. And I didn't even know because I recorded, I, I, re, I started recording some other songs and I, I got a couple of joints from Messiah Bay. I have this uh, this one joint, I think it's online, I'm pretty sure it's still online on Bandcamp, but it's a, a joint that Messiah Bay produced and it was, I was going to call the album God's Waiting Room and uh, just because I'm, I'm from Central Florida, you know what I'm saying? And, so I got this joint where it's like I'm shouting out all my childhood friends and, and just talking about And I guess now, I did not know this. I didn't find this out until like a month ago, but NASA put it out and they, somebody from his squad, uh, oh man, I should be looking this stuff up so I can say his name right. Hold on. Samurai um, Banana. The guy he does the podcast this, with? No, no, his name is on the tip of my tongue. You know, it's not coming to me. What is that brother's name? But he was inspired by that joint that I did, and they wrote a song. Uh, he wrote a song inspired off that joint, and I guess his, his daughter was in, in the, uh, you know, with him when they was recording. It was the first time his daughter had seen him record, and they they played a snippet of the joint at the end of his at the end of his jam. Just as a shout out, I had no idea. And it was just like, whoa. Um, and I was just real humble. Like, I couldn't believe that he actually really, I, honestly, I didn't even believe him. And he's like, yeah. Like, that was a, I was like, really? Word. And, um, you know, just this piece on Kamanasa and, and uh, well, I'm going to find this. What, what was it? Oh, here it is. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and I, I was I was just real real humble by that. And let's see, no, that's not it, man. Um, my apologies to to Uncommon Records and the crew. Um, hold on, um, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find the body. Yeah, no worries, man. Send send me the the name, and I'll put it in the show notes. If if you yeah, I appreciate you know it because I, mean? I, I I was really taken back by that, like. <clears throat> Excuse me, I couldn't believe that they actually did that. He's like, "Yo, you haven't heard that?" I was like, nah. Was... And for somebody like Uncommon to, you know, to take interest in what I was doing, because I was, like I said, I wasn't a rapper. I was yeah. just like a, I was just a dude doing poetry uh, at the New Yorkian Poets Cafe and all that. And you know, all my friends, they were they were killers with the with the rhymes. You know what I mean? Well, so, I mean, if you're with BMS and Masai Bay and despot and shit those cats are all kind of legendary well i, I might say mythical figures in hip-hop because like yeah. the names are like people from that era will recognize those names but i i have no idea what bms was doing after the tracks that came out off of company flow or even what he's Masai cool Bay is doing dude, man yo okay so here's a story about 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 bms man shout out to bms uh by myself that's what, that's what i'm talking about i love that dude i really look up to that dude so we had we had a show at this place called Five Spot. This is when I was living in um, Bed Stuy, Brooklyn, and we was at the Five Spot, right? It's this black dude that owned it, 
we did the first show, dude was like, you know what? I like what you young kids are doing kind of deal. I'll give you, you know, they sold, serve soul food, nice place. And he's like, I'll let you guys rock every, I think it was every Friday. He's like, you guys can have every Friday and you, you put on a show. So we had like a little residency. And I remember Masai, Masai and, uh, and BMS came through. They would come through almost every Friday. I think we, we had it going for at least a month or so. But uh, BMS came through and we started talking. This is when he first got out of jail. He did, he did a bit, you know what I mean? And, I heard that um, that happened. And it kind of detoured yeah. his career, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing about B is that he was never, he wasn't an aspiring rapper. He was just a dude messing around. Of the culture, happens, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, he was just, you know, he was, a, he was a hip-hop head, but he was no aspiring rapper. He just happened to be nice with the rhymes and happened to be a charismatic, real, real smart dude. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I mean, I, I saw him, I think, the day he got out, but... This was like probably not too long after also, and everybody had left, the, the the club closed, and he's talking to me, and me and him is just talking. And it's like probably like two o'clock in the morning. And he's, you know, like Zesto, everybody bounce. And it's just me and him. And he's telling me about touring around the world with company flow and you know, I, I'd never been to Japan and he's telling me about coming to Japan and he's like, yo, we had down in this spot, we had, you know, they had a huge poster of us on the billboard of like a company flow and the way he described it. So later on when I came here and I went to uh, Shinjuku, uh, that's, that's where they had him on the billboard, oh, no I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because he was dope. like, you know, you know, just giving me, just telling me about what it was like to be on the road with them. And uh, and that, that just meant the world to me. Like, he, he damn near walked me halfway home and was just telling me, you know, words of encouragement. It's like, yo, just just keep, you know, doing what you're doing. You, you know, you're talented dude. You're a smart dude, you know. And that stayed with me, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. That carried me for, for a long time because I was the guy that's like, Yo, mucho stereo, like soon you'll see, you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, why are you even talking to me? But he right. was that humble. Uh, but he was, he, yeah, that dude, he's, he's a straight, he's a pretty stand up, stand up. Oh, that's dope. I, I actually yeah. had no, I, I didn't, you know, I've known you for like three years now, uh, probably. And I had no idea that you were even in Brooklyn making this type of music or making this type of art. I knew that you had yeah. connections with, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of underground cats, Swamburger, and a lot of soliloquous sound out in Florida. But I didn't know that you were rocking with like BMS and Masai Bay. Like, um, you know, uh, there's so many figures in in hip hop culture. If you come from this era of underground hip hop culture that we come from, like you, me, Keen, uh, there's so many cats like that who are seen as these mythical, legendary type of figures who are just regular dudes now. Uh, Rory was telling me that like Genelik or Memphis Reigns um, like is in the military now. And, and, you know, like we listen to Scorpion Circles, that album on repeat and, you know, BMS, you know, soon we'll see. That's basically like an underground hip hop standard in the sense that we would use a jazz standard, you know, like that's one that everybody knows. Soon as those keys drop, you know exactly what's about to happen. And yeah, that's dope, man. So what is the name of uh, what is the name of the project again? Uh, it's called Human Cloud Abandonment. Human Cloud Abandonment. I'm excited to hear that. I yeah. had no idea you were making art like that, yeah. and I'm glad we went off well, on the, the thing. 
Yeah, sorry. The the no, the, it's good. Well, the, oh, the the what I actually really want to get get to in, adi- in addition to that was the fact that uh, Zesto he still had the the original takes, so he managed to send me you know the 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 all the the uh, stems, all the vocals, the acapellas, and um, you know on common. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I think he's going to essentially do some uh, do a remix of the whole album. Oh, that's dope. The vocals. I, I tune yeah. into um I tune into uh their podcast uh dope some, shit. yeah dope shit podcast I tune into it somewhat often not not so much this year um but but last year I was listening to it a lot you know him and boy, Samurai boy. Banana uh, they're they're exactly from that kind of weirdo cloth of of yeah. you know spoken word poetry over odd beats they'd be all for that so it sounds like yeah, a good yeah, fit yeah. man it sounds like a really good fit they're they're also yeah. you know completely into you know the, this. Well, not only are they into, but uh, Uncommon NASA makes music very much in this experimental. What would be cons- experimental? What? Excuse me. What would be considered experimental hip hop or abstract yeah. hip hop? We just call it lyrics. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. We just yeah. call it hip hop. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, exactly. You know, he's. I mean, yeah, he's he's been at it for a minute, yeah. man. But I mean, he's a part of a school of not only my crew, but you know, shout out to Middletown. Uh, Mr. Cord, uh, Money Hungry Brothers, all them dudes, Hooks off, Hook Author, Hooks Author, um, but also, let's see, who else? Like, well, to, to just to give you a little preface, is, you know, Arm & Hammer, mm-hmm. as far as Billy Woods, right. I mean, that was a regular dude, mm-hmm. like, 20 years ago, walking around, just being a dude, right. like, making music. Uh, I met him because, how was it? He was affiliated with some dude, a bunch of people that were putting out stuff and he was an editor of a magazine that I had just hooked up with and I was gonna I, was, I wrote a review and I met him and he's like yo I'm so-and-so I was like oh cool and I and I wrote this review and I turned it in and it turns out that he was a music editor and okay. that yeah that's how I mean he's like on the low with that stuff like I okay. think he actually does straight up journalism but he don't talk about it really Okay. Uh, and yeah, and that was his boy that I had had done the review on, and I so it was it was you know, and I and I, I, love, I well, so I you know you know what name. his face looks like, because you know now he don't he don't show his face like on all the videos and everything. It's always like covered or blurred out. Mm. Well, this is a, that's one of his. And he's a regular dude, but yeah, yeah. When, it, when it comes to all that stuff, no, he don't he don't do that. But yeah, yeah you just you you just be existing in the world. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's just a his um, his last but, ten years yeah. have been crazy, like he's really really you know because I you hear stories about him you know he was around Cannibal Ox and rapping with Vordo and, and Vast back in those right. days as an early artist right. and the over the last ten years like he's one of the most successful underground hip hop artists like to make the type of music he gets and and get the type of recognition that he gets as an artist like he's almost um you know more heralded than than or or more acclaimed than guys like bus driver nowadays like pitchfork reviews all his albums glowing reviews like he's he's just incredible anthony fantano is reviewing his shit you know so yeah shout out to billy woods man yeah i mean his uh dude his his climb has been long like he has put the time in and even before when 20 years ago when i talked to him he lived like a He's lived a pretty interesting, eclectic life. And, mm-hmm. 
I forgot what part of South, what part of Africa him and his, uh, his, uh, he, he first grew up in between, between New York and, and some part of Africa, some part mm -hmm. of the continent of Africa, I'm not sure. But yeah, so to see him flourish now and have, you know, people like Earl Sweatshirt who have such a giant platform going back to someone like Billy Woods, right. you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it right. speaks volumes. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that, there's a whole kind of um, a like underground rap ecosystem now. Like all of these guys are working with each other and making some of their best art um, ever. So yeah, I, 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 th those are all my favorites. Longtime listeners 10, of the Mega Hours, so. I guess I don't know. It know. is it is on some ten thousand hours <laughs> shit, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's yeah. I, I I um I would like to talk to you a little bit later about uh their newest project, uh, Shrines, the Arm and Hammer Sorry, joint, because I I really yeah, love yeah. that joint too. But we'll we'll get into that, uh, definitely as well. Yeah, yeah it, it's so weird, man. Like um, I I guess I guess let's transition back into talking about some of your 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 newer writing and and or we were talking about um uh the new collaboration that we've been doing together, your podcast, The Fire This yes. Time. Which um, yeah, we were yeah. saying, we were talking about how um, it, it, it for me it's a it's a it's a completely different um, approach to the way that I usually open myself up to people on this podcast. You know, I, I give a political hot take here or there, and people can get a little bit about my philosophy and and politics through various you know conversations. You'll hear me be very anti-capitalist or something, but with the fire this time. Um, would you explain what it is and then and then how it came to like um, why you decided to do that? Yeah, sure. Hold, hold on just a second. Sure. Uh, hello? Yes. You yeah. good? Um, yeah, that was a really spur of the moment sitting at the table uh, with my wife. She's she basically told me I should do a podcast and I was like, I don't do, I don't, <laughs> I don't do podcasts. I'm not good at talking. You know what I mean? I don't really talk a lot. Um, but you know, she, she encouraged me and I was just like, well, F it, you know? Uh, so I put the call out and, you know, I was fortunate enough that, that you responded and, you know, Paul responded and Maurice, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Bernie, Bernadette. And now we got, you know, Kristen, she tries to come when she can. And, uh, you know, uh, at first, it, it, I mean, it's still, we're on episode eight, but it's still uh, growing and I'm still learning how to better, you know, uh, articulate my thoughts because really, you know, I'm so used to being on my head and I'm so used to writing. So it was also really cool to connect with you and, and see you in another light and see how, you know, you talk within talking about politics and talking about things, just your general sense of morality and sense of humanity. So I was able to get to know you in that way, but also with Paul and, and, and Maurice and Bernie and the way you guys, you know, have different views and really influencing me in that way and, and, and challenging me in a lot of ways that I haven't been challenged in a while because, you know, I've been a, a recluse for, for a long time, essentially. So you know, it's really been, you know, you guys have really been a vehicle for me to, to just open up a lot more than I usually would and have someone to talk to and, you know, challenge uh, and be, you know, be challenged a lot. And mm -hmm. um, 
So it's been like that. It's an evolving thing, you know. We're still, we're still, you know. I mean, seeing how the level that you're at, as far as having your podcast and and seeing you talk and seeing you formulate your ideas and 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 uh, you know live has been really like wow. Okay, you know, I I see the practice that you put into oh, man. doing your doing your podcast. I actually that's been that's been cool. I I you know I I would like to say that you know this is um. This is a black podcast. The fire this time is a black podcast. It's black folks talking about black yeah. issues and our political views and our philosophical views and 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 you know yeah. um, everything. Yeah, and um, yeah. and for me, I'm not really used to like even though I be talking all the time, especially with the podcast, and I'm just an extroverted fucking uh, chatterbox. It's weird for me to kind of formulate my thoughts and then just talk about them because i'm so used when it comes to politics to sit down think about things and then type it out because that's normally how i have discourse with the people that i have political conver conversations with so it's been a learning experience for me too and i think that finally we're starting to i, I really love it but finally we're starting to get a rhythm we're starting to know each other's sensibilities how um where where to push where to pull you know uh, and right. and and how to balance out conversations so i, I love it and I, I definitely uh recommend people tune into that especially if if you're more interested in um, you know, uh, black issues and, and uh, yeah. philosophy, psychology, and, and particularly uh, political opinions from black folks. So, and you, and you could join the conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and you know, you guys can ask us questions and we, we respond. You know, sometimes we, we get into it and we don't always always see when somebody says something, but for the most part, it's like you know, the time goes by so quickly, right. man, that we don't. I, I really don't even notice because everybody's just engaged and then all of a sudden, you know, right. all this time has passed and, and it's like, wow, okay, that was that was cool. It so, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's a it's a whole nother side for me. Like uh, I don't just announce, you know, my 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 positions on things to people like I usually keep that real kind of closed off. But uh, yeah, I mean, if people want to catch that. They, they can catch that, man. You were inspired. Yeah. What what inspired the uh, the title of of the podcast? Is that based off of the James uh, Baldwin um, book? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's uh, the fire. Oh, I, my band, what's up? Uh, fire this time. Uh, it's a, it's a you know it's basically a long essay. It's a book, but it's right. a long it's essay. Like two but... two long essays or something like. That. I haven't read it in so many. Yeah, years, it's, but, it's yeah. Uh, I believe it's two. Yeah, it's two long essays, um, and. Yeah, they're just it's a it's, man. He just it's just, he just kills it. I mean it. Yeah. That dude, anywhere from yeah, you know, fire the time, go tell it to the mountaintop, uh, go tell it to the mountain. Uh, my my dungeon shook. Dude, like in yeah. and, and look at you know, I I watch a lot of his stuff on YouTube. Uh, play a lot of his speeches, his interviews. Uh, he's got this one with Margaret Atwood that is just hilarious because he is just eating at her. You know, she is this, this you know, uh, really well-known feminist. And, and her mind is crazy. Don't get twisted. But, like, he, he kind of gets, not devilish, but a little bit. He pokes at her because she starts getting heated, being like, yo, you make everything racial. And, mm. and you know what I'm saying? He, <laughs> he gets under her skin a little bit. Yeah. And he's, she can't take it. But, um yeah, I mean, that's just one of my dudes, man. He seems to articulate things in a way that it's just, 
like yeah that that what you just said that right there you, you know um and yeah he's like you know on on he's like a dude that's like the way he speaks the way he writes is like watching a professional ice skater on the ice just killing it you know yeah. no joke such a Triple such a vibrant mind such a vibrant yeah, mind yeah. like a beautiful and vibrant mind i feel like he's getting a lot more play these days too like when i first started you know um reading up on some of our you know historic black radical leaders and and people whose voices uh we champion um I felt like a lot of maybe it's because I was around a bunch of five percenters and they didn't really want to give him any play for certain reasons. You know what I mean? Right, but right, but right, I feel right. like I feel like, you know, in the last decade, he's been getting a lot more recognition for um, his thoughts. And it's so interesting to see that, you know, even even, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, he's all he's 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 on point. Uh, you know what I mean? And not much has changed like his. You, you can take his books now and they still apply uh, almost, you know, one to one on the map. So, yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. And I, I I'm having some problems here with the music. I guess I'll fix that shit later. But, um, no I, you know, you, you're you're also a writer and I don't even recall what we talked about in the first episode of your recording. But oh, you, you've um, you've had a lot of articles here that have had some uh, some degree of like worldwide success. Yeah, some of the things that you've written about your experiences being a black man here and having a, you know, a, a you know, a mixed race daughter, black and Japanese daughter. And, and just yeah. your experiences here in Japan are are, yeah. are things that have kind of rippled across the globe. And I know you've been on like NHK for I appreciate it, some, man. I some appreciate things. It. How, how um, can, can you tell us about some of the articles you've written and some of the um, the feedback that you've gotten on them? Like how have people taken that? Well, let, okay. So you know, uh, let's see. The I, before when I first started, when I got here, I, you know, I, I wrote an article. I wrote an essay, and that was about just my staying here. And hold on, just a second. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, yeah, when I when I first got here, I wrote an essay just about my first. I guess it was about my first. Uh, three, four years of living here. And it was really a, a thing of, it just built up in my mind to the point where I just had to write it down and, I, and I, I couldn't ignore it because at that point, I, even before that, I'd been writing, you know, since I was a child, but at some point I was, I was going to quit because I, I don't know, I started messing with Photoshop or whatever and taking pictures and, you know, I, I, I wanted to kind of pursue that. But, you know, it was a joke because I didn't know how to draw. Like, I don't, I, I know nothing. You know what I'm saying? Word. As far as photography, any of that stuff. Photography is something that I've, I've slowly picked up. But anyway, I got that essay published. Uh, Cleaver Magazine published it. It's like, okay, cool. And kept going from there. Uh, I think I, I can't remember if I wrote for Tokyo Weekend after that. But uh, at some point, I ended up writing for LA Weekly. Um, shout out to April Wolf, who is a pretty much world famous film critic. Uh, she is killing it. Andy Herman, shout out to Andy Herman, uh, brilliant writer, editor. Um, both of them are, are two people that I owe a great amount of gratitude towards. Uh, and thank you and guidance in them and, their, and them having faith in me. And, and these two people are just colossal writers that, you know, when they asked me to write for, LA Weekly, uh, I was just like, I hope I don't fuck this up because 
um, I was just so intimidated and so honored. I've never written for something on that on that level before. Right. And you know, I was writing for them pretty regularly. And and um, this is before the, they were um, uh, acquired by bought out. Right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot who there. Some some Trump supporter basically yeah. bought the magazine, fired everybody. Mm-hmm. You know. April and the staff, they, they had a they had a funeral for the, yeah. the magazine, you know, and like it was it was sad. It was it was fucked up. I think a, uh, I think a lot of the people that work for it also started um, another project. I know Jeff Weiss was kind of spearheading uh, another uh, voice for the Los Angeles uh, writers and and culture. So maybe maybe they all moved that direction. I think he might be a part. Of, I think Henry Rollins, who, who you know he had his little he had his column on there. I think he's he and some other people they they started a magazine. I want to say it's called LA Magazine. I could be wrong. I have to look it up, but uh, I'm pretty sure they started their own their own magazine. And I'm not sure how frequent it is, but it sounds like it's something that is definitely a passion project where they put out what they want to put out. Like they're not trying to you know uh, sell right. sell ads necessarily. More than just it's about it's about the culture, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I was writing for them for a while, mostly music. Uh, I, some of the stuff I've written for them, I was able to write about Tupacalypse Now, um, what that, what that album meant to me, which was amazing. You know, I got to write about, uh, who else did I write about, man? Um, Korean, uh, oh, I can't forget this brother's name. Uh, Korean Town Oddity, I believe that's a, a brother that he raps with a wolf uh, mask on. He, he just came out with a new album, Koreatown Oddity. Did he? Yeah, his new album's Koreatown dope Oddity, as fuck, too. Yeah, yeah. It's his best work, probably. Is that opinion. on, um, uh, what's that What's that label, dude? I'm, I'm, my mind is blinking. Uh, Mad Lib, and then the Peanut Butter Wolf. Stone's uh, Throw. Thank you. Yeah. Stone's Throw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I mean, I got to, I got to talk to numerous of people that, that, um, that I was really grateful to talk to and, and uh, write about. And I learned a lot about LA history, a lot about uh, LA artists that I did not discover before. Um, but the biggest thing was definitely uh, have posts when I got to write about my daughter. Um, that was unexpected. That was almost out of body because, you know, I'm having I'm having all kinds of people hit me up, you know, people that I don't want to be, (laughs) I don't want to talk to. Let's put it that way. This is, Um, you're talking about your most recent article or a second to most recent or no, this tough post. I didn't know how long ago that was. Was that 2018? Maybe I should have, I should have pulled up all the articles myself. I I didn't really prep for this. I figured we just freestyle, but yeah, yeah. yeah, You freestyle. No worries, man. Um, So yeah. Yeah, that when that came out, it was just, you know, um, people were asking me and that put me in an awkward position because I did not want to, I wasn't trying to make money off my daughter. I honestly didn't even think it would do anything because when I pitched it, um, I forgot about it. I just, I had sent out so, so many, so many inquiries and pitches, you know, that, that, that first, uh, that week that I got it, that I forgot about it. So when they got at me, I was like, what? And, um. I just wrote it, and when it came out, uh, yeah, it, it made some waves. And that was the point where I think I could have done a lot more, but I was feeling conflicted because I didn't want to. I didn't. I wasn't looking. I didn't want to make money off my daughter. That's. 
I didn't want to be talking. You know, I didn't want to be talking about my daughter all the time. It just felt like way too personal. And, and, yeah. and um, yeah, and then just on top of that, just the, the comments and the, and the feedback that I was getting. And, you know, so I want to make sure of her privacy and safety. And so a lot of time was spending what else am I going to do as far as writing and, you know, music and, and everything else that came naturally and just still writing on my, on my blog about life. And at some point, uh, I started writing about band camp and yeah, I'm sorry, dude. If I'm rambling, please you feel good. free. Yeah, you yeah. Good. We, we cooking. Your, your newest, uh, but, one of your newer articles though, it's called, uh, why I'm glad I got stuck in Japan during COVID-19. Yes. Sir. How's the feedback been on that? Man, that actually, that article has, it's not, the, the, the feedback hasn't been the same as HuffPost, obviously, because the, the platform is not, is not as big, but for the level that it is on, uh, the feedback has almost kind of been the same. Like, uh, you know, uh, lots of people just responding to it and... Uh, I was actually surprised again, like, dang, okay, people were really, were really touched by that one. Um, you never know what, what's going to hit. You don't yeah. know. I, I, I kind of already had, that was an article that I kind of already had in my head. I knew how it was going to go. I literally, I think I wrote that article in, in a night. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was already in my head. And, uh, and so when it came out, it was like, okay, you know, um, a lot of people gave me a lot of great responses. Thank you guys for reading. Thank you guys for, for commenting and sharing. And um, it meant the world to me uh, because, yeah, we've been living through some shit. It's been yeah. fucking crazy. You know, uh, we were about to leave and then all of a sudden all this stuff happens and, and we're stuck here. But it's like we're in some alternate universe almost yeah. because people are losing their fucking minds in the space and yeah. You know, this madman is at the helm of the whole thing, and uh, yeah, so it's um, it's weird here, man, in in Japan. Like, I feel as though I, I saw I saw a headline the other day, and I didn't read the article, but it was talking about like people in Japan are wearing masks, but it's only because other people are, or something like that. Like, they're not wearing it because they feel it's safe; they just don't want to be shunned for not wearing a mask. And in my neighborhood, you know, I live I live in Ikebukuro, which is one of the larger hubs in Tokyo. It's the third largest station in the world. And so I see thousands of people every day as I'm walking to and from the station. And um, man, these fools are not social distancing. They're not rocking. Oh, it, really? it, it, yeah, it, it looks nuts out here like the Izakayas. Um, I was I was out Saturday evening and I, and you know as I came back I like the izakayas are full all of the bars people are sitting next to each other they're breathing each other's faces and kissing and all types of shit the street you know I live in kind of like the the north side and so there's a lot of love hotels there's people who are like you know the sex workers aren't wearing masks it's it's crazy and I'm I'm surprised that our our numbers are as low as they are because I feel like this is a like a perfect place for a catastrophe in regards to the COVID virus. We're jam packed in so tight and the majority of our population or a large segment of our population are the ones who would be most at risk for dying from it. But the numbers just keep coasting along, man. I'm I'm doing my best to practice my social CDC, distancing. Right. Say that again. You heard about CDC, right? No, the numbers? Um, no, 
Uh, would you clarify? They, for apparently, they lied about the number of deaths due to COVID-19. The CDC? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that headline. So are yeah. they are they inflated or, or are they lower than? Uh, uh, they're inflated. Okay. Mm. I have to look that up again. Okay, yeah. shoot. The conspiracy theory homie is going to have a field day with that shit. <laughs> All the conspiracy Hold theory homies going to get at me about that. I can hear it yeah, already. Uh, yeah, I was just peeping at, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I didn't. I I, I kind of scanned through it, but um, yeah, they have something like yeah, they the way they 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 straight up fudge the numbers. I'm like, what? Yeah, let's see, let's see. I want to make sure I didn't get that off of like uh, infowars.com or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, again, Cheryl says CCC is like. Okay, you know what? Never mind. Forget that. Wait, fact check. CC estimates that three is hundred percent. All right, I retract that. Never mind. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I was about never to say. Mind. I mean, I, I probably. That. I was like, what? No, never mind. I got I got quite a few homies who are on the conspiracy theory shit, and I'd be trying to hit them with the Occam's razor and and all. You know what I mean? Like, downplay it. But yeah, they always got ammunition for me. Like, yo, we have the documents. We have the documents. <laughs> like, calm down. But you know, you know the vibes. Anyway. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, right now, you there, there are legitimate conspiracies. Always, that yes. You, yeah. That don't always end up going down, spiraling in this rabbit hole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I subscribe, but um, a lot of times for me personally. When I get into any of that stuff, it's a rabbit hole. So I, I yeah. don't, I don't, you well, start, you start leaving reasoning and it's like, no, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the epistemological status of conspiracy theory, right? Because it's like the conspiracy theory never completely proves or disproves any single point, but it just, uh, it, it snowballs into a series of other points that now have no end point yeah. other than the fact of, uh, reifying and self, um, or in confirming more conspiracy. So it, like, you know. I don't need to confirm if aliens exist. I don't, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's right. another, that's another, you know what I mean? I, I just don't need to do that. Right. Like, and then why all of a sudden, but I will say it's weird that with all this stuff going on, all of a sudden I keep hearing about UFOs. Mm. It's like, why, why? Word, yeah. word. I mean, <laughs> I, there's just such a variety of things to pick and pull from. Um, uh, well, I again, I, I just like don't. You guys, I, I take it as like a distraction. It's like all of a sudden, I don't think it's, I don't think ET's coming through right now. I just think there's another distraction. It's just like sure. when, when you know, 45 is talking about shadow men getting on airplanes or like throwing soup cans at police. What are you talking about, right. yo? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, most of the time you don't need the conspiracy for it to be bullshit, like it for shit to be bad in any ways, you know what I mean? Like right. like capitalism yeah. functions just fine fucking people up and, and getting the rich richer and the poor poor without there being right. some nefarious secret meeting in the forest where they dress and fucking burn Moloch, you know what I mean? Like it, shit works yeah. out just fine for them. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, exactly. yeah, but it's all, it's all good. Like people were telling me, you saw the um, the explosion that happened in Beirut, like like 
two or three weeks back, like that super explosion. Did we talk about that? Yo, I've I don't never think we seen did. something like that. Yo, that shit was wild. It was so crazy to me. Like, it looked like some real Dragon Ball Z type of shit. I must have watched that explosion like 30 times because it, 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 it was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, it goes, it, it was, you know, the first one, it went boom. I'm like, yeah. all right. And then it was just all like, shh. Right. Like, what? Yeah, the shockwave comes, and then, you know, they've got yeah. the mushroom cloud, and everybody was like, that shit looked like a nuclear weapon. I'm like, yo, sometimes explosions do that, B. It don't got to be a nuke. Grain blows up. It's like, it was a, yeah, it was a perfect confluence. Yeah, it was a perfect confluence of events for that shit to blow up, apparently. But, yo, people were hitting me with all types. It was a nuclear weapon. I'm like, dog, you, you can go to Radio Shack. Well, maybe Radio, not Radio Shack. They closed, but you can get a, a, a Geiger counter for Amazon and see that there ain't no nuclear radiation in that area. Like, you know, right. it, it ain't that nefarious. But, yeah, you know, I, I like to, whenever somebody hit me with a conspiracy theory, I like to hit them with one that's more extreme. It's like, yeah, you know, birds aren't real. Birds aren't real at all. They're government <laughs> drones. Whenever somebody hit me with like a conspiracy, that. I just try to outdo them. So they they got to go home and do more research. You know what I mean? So now that, I was that I was definitely that dude that I memorized. I can't do it no more, but I memorized the dollar bill. Like this is this is what yeah. this is what the pyramid. This is the I Pluribus Unum. Like yeah. all that. Like the number of snakes and yeah. the number of this that and the third. That there goes you know, Mullock I, in the corner. You know what I mean? That, look at that owl just posting up. Yeah. I think I feel like I was, on, on I was that dude for 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 probably like like two years, and then yeah, by my senior year of high school, I was like, you know, the microchips yeah. on my cereal. I think right. I need to step away from this. Yo. But then you know the crazy thing is, is that you know they making them nano like nano uh, uh, robots right. that are socially biologically based that can yeah. do whatever so you know. I, I feel like when it comes to the conspiracy theories like that was such that's almost is more important than like real like afrocentrism in a way like all of the 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 cats that was like stay woke and, and trying to teach you about like uh you know the original man like whether they're god bodies or nation of islam or just anybody that was really afrocentric and and you know you know anti anti the man like they always you have to go through that phase where you get the conspiracy theories some of us spiral out of it some of us you know go in a different direction with it but man like we all i feel like we all did that like as a five percenter those were given like conspiracy theory books and documents were given to me and and they made it seem as though like they had the same gravity as like the th uh, the theological books like yo here goes the quran read that but also read this uh be behold a, a a pale horse alongside that and it was just like a thing that that i, I don't I, I know conspiracy theorists do that but it was super prevalent in the nation of the gods and the earth where i was first you know coming into knowledge of self and uh becoming awakened to political processes and shit so man I got out yeah. quick. It, it was about, it was about, I, I mine was longer than yours. I must've been about 21 when I was like, oh, I think I got to calm down on, on these conspiracy theories. I, I might have to calm down about the shape-shifting reptilians and hollow right, earth. Right. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, you know. Well, I, I got, I got into it through, uh, my boy that I went to high school with, he, uh, what, uh where is his name? Trinidad. His name is from Trinidad. 
and um, you know, his grandma would tell us stories about you know the the, the, the magic, you know what I'm saying, like spells and stuff. Like, yo, if you somebody messing with you or something like that, she would tell us that there's a spell that you could do where. Uh, this little man will come to you in the middle of the night and he's like uh, he's like an inch tall and he'll tug on your ear and wake you up and just talk to you to death and won't let you sleep. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Yo. Yeah. I mean. So from, from, from that, it was like, you know, he hit me up. Like, uh, I don't know if it was grandma or his mom's because they were. You know, his mom's will make jerk chicken. And it's just like, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm about to leave. I'm making jerk chicken. All right, all right, I'm saying. And, like, you know, uh, he hit me up with the Dr. Malachi's New York books. Yep. And he wasn't even pushing on me. He was just like, yo, this, you know, crazy stuff. And, yeah. and uh, my mind went, wow. It was yeah. more, to me, it was, that stuff was more about the imagination to me. Because I just yeah. never heard anything like that. Right. Like, so this dude is saying that he came on Haley's Comet in, like, 1979. Mm-hmm. And, you know he's breaking all these down all these uh these these subliminal messages and yep. he's making me look at the guest the guest uh, logo a whole different way mm-hmm. and you know talking about like uh, the the statue that had uh, what the feet feet of clay and yep. the different kinds of metal yeah you know, it, it just I never heard anything like that mm-hmm. in my life yo that that shit bugged me out and I was just just that alone I was like oh, I don't know where this is going but yeah. I'm just gonna follow it. And at some point, it just kind of became part of like, well, yeah, I think this is what's yeah. going on. You know, this dude's got land yeah. in Atlanta right. where we can all go and and they got pyramids on this land and we just live there during right. the apocalypse. And it's like, they our souls yeah. got land down there. Right. And I was like, yo, um, that that's exactly where they pushed me after five percenters like the five percenters they kept getting weirder and weirder and eventually they're like yo check out this plus degree number 187 who are, are the caucasians the canaanites as whose god is responsible and and you know they were pushing me towards all the malachi z york l stuff which is you know zachariah stitching you know uh chariots of the gods and 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 you know Marduk and and the, and, uh, the Anunnaki and the twelfth planet and the the nine ether beings and that that's when I was like oh okay like I really have to check out and, and did you hear what happened to Doctor Malachi Z York L? He's in years later. He's yeah. in jail right now. I think he's still in jail. He had like like uh, apparently well alleged well no he was he was you know um locked up for it so i guess it's not even allegedly but maybe allegedly depending on who you talk to but there was like hundreds of counts of child molestation coming out of uh their compound right i guess like it was on some real cult shit he was like i'm sleeping with your wives i'm sleeping with your daughters because i'm a holy holy being david koresh type of shit uh branch uh, davidians uh, type of shit Nation of Islam's dude was basically he. he oh yeah, that. Uh, Elijah Muhammad. I, yeah, Elijah yeah. Muhammad. I, I, for some reason, there's you know there's a theory that that dude's actually a white dude from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. you talking about um, W. D. Fard Muhammad, who um, uh, the, that gave that? the teachings to Elijah Muhammad. He look he does okay. look white in the pictures, but you know. Okay. I mean, he I he, he might have been half half black half white you know how it was back then and shit. yeah so, yeah they, they i feel like uh the skin color the skin was different back then for a lot of black folks especially when he got mm. a lot of the native american blood in like i remember like yeah. yeah but but yeah you know you know the vibes it, it, it is like a whole strange thing 
It's a whole strange thing yeah. that I don't subscribe to. Yeah. yeah. But, but word, man. Well, um, what what's uh what's in store with for you in the future? You have any new articles coming out? Are you working on anything in particular? Uh, yes. I'm right now. I'm working on something. Um, I just interviewed. Uh, well, not just interviewed. Probably. Uh, what was that? Probably a couple weeks ago or so. Probably three weeks ago. I interviewed. Um, uh, John G. Russell, uh, uh, Professor John G. Russell um, of Gifu University, uh, okay. anthropology professor. Uh, he's been living here for 30 years. Dude, he's from, he's from New York, New York City. He, he's probably, he's one of the first, aside from Reginald Kearney, he's one of the first to really talk about uh, Japanese or racism in Japan as far as black people is concerned. He's a black man? He's a black man, okay. and uh, he first came here in 1976, 77. Uh, uh, he's a Harvard grad, um, has a PhD from Harvard, uh, went to Amherst College. And yeah, he's been here since, what, 90, 89, wow. 90? Yeah, and so his perspective on as far as race in Japan is on, it's, it's just right. on another level. Probably unparalleled. Yeah, me. It's very few people yeah. like that, right. Pretty much. And when I, you know, when I talked to him, you know, he was, there was no one else like him except for Reginald Kearney. He was pretty much the only one. And this was when, this was the time when the, you know, in 1986, the prime minister was talking about how uh, American intelligence is on a decline because of the presence of Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, and Blacks. And, you know, they would say all kinds of stuff, the Liberation Democratic Party chief. Yeah. He would say something like, uh, what was he saying? He basically was saying that black people are shiftless, basically that right. we don't care about bankruptcy and we're irresponsible, you know. And this dude was bringing this stuff up. And this, like, in the midst of him being in a, in a, he was he was uh, going between psychiatric wards. And mm. it's like, he was doing field work to get his PhD at the time. And he would spend time with the staff and he'd also spend time with the patients. And they who were dealing with psychosis. At first, he was dealing with uh, uh, culture bound, which is essentially people with a neuroses that are embarrassed to be in public. Uh, they they don't want to embarrass people. They're afraid of doing things that will make them look like they're deformed or, or, or mentally, um, you know, uh, mentally challenged or whatever. Mm. But he went further in to where he was dealing. He was dealing with people with psychosis and suicide, and and to the point to where they couldn't function. So. He would go to these psych wards, and, and there was no study about these people who had these different psychoses. Mm. They were just in the psychiatric ward, and there was no one studying about the care for these people. And so he was doing that. So he's sitting there amongst these these mentally ill patients when he looks at the TV and he sees that they got blackface on Japanese TV, and he is like, "Yo, what is that?" Right. And that that initially started his journey. To where he eventually started interviewing different people, like uh, Black Americans, uh, Africans, Canadian, African Canadians, and that was the time when they had different. They had a couple of different coalitions uh, made up of Africans and made up of African Americans that were fighting against racism in Japan. And wow. they, they held a yeah, they held a protest that was one of a kind, a twenty-four hour protest. Um, uh, I forgot what that park is by the Emperor's uh, Palace over there. I believe it's near Ginza. Um, and yeah, so he, yeah, he, you know, I mean, he was he was witness to a lot of this stuff, man. 
Yeah. So. That sounds really interesting. Where where's that coming out on? Is that going to come out through like uh, uh, Tokyo? That'll be that'll be in print in October. How oh, tight, tight. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to checking yeah. that one out for sure. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. So. Shoot. Very cool, yeah, man. On that, I, I got a I got a book. Uh, working on a book. Um, I got I got chapters, but it's not it's not done yet. But it's it's, it's getting there. I just. You know, switching gears from like, okay, so now it's like, you know, I do not only in my writing, but I'm writing different things. So it's just like switching my mind, switching gears and, you know, trying to, you know, live life and, and be a dad and be a husband and uh, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, sometimes just, yeah. I, I know you write fiction and nonfiction. Uh, your book, is it, is it nonfiction? Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically about my my stay here. I mean, eventually, eventually, I eased back into writing about what I wanted to write about, which is life in general, and that involves my family. So, you know, I'm I'm basically writing about you know being here and and being a father in Japan and what's that like? Because for one, there's 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 no books out that's like that, right? And um. One day I was reading some article about some dude that, you know, he came out with a book and I was like, man, I need to, I need to just do this. And, you know, cause I was avoiding it. Like I it was staring me right in the face as far as writing this book about being a black father in Japan, but I was avoiding it for a long time. I was really fighting, not wanting to write about any of this stuff, uh, just because of, you know, the, the, the response I was getting, you know, uh, just as a father and having a child and, um, but at the same time, it's like a lot of times what's crazy is people get scared and people get silent. People get shamed and then they get silent and nobody raises their hands. Nobody says anything. And basically, you just you just got to keep going. I mean, every day is not a perfect day. Every day is not a, is not the worst day. Uh, so I, I, you know, as a, as a, as a, someone who when I write my stuff, especially your personal stuff, it's hard. I I I, I can't fake it. So it has to be honest. Or it's not gonna, it's not gonna convey anything. But at the same time, I have to walk through the world, and uh, so you know, I'd go back and forth. Am I giving a, am I, am I, am I giving a blueprint for someone to crawl around in my head? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I just think I'm trying to do what I did when I was a kid, which is just express myself. Um, if I sit up here and think about what people are gonna think as I'm writing, then I just, I'll just quit. What's the Word. point? Word, word. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited to check out both uh, the article about that professor in Gifu as well as the book. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we homies, so you keep me posted. I'll see it yeah. as it happens and shit. No word. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer, but I did, you know, um, I know we both cut from the same cloth in terms of the, the, the type of hip hop culture we love. And so I did want to talk. I did want to talk to you a little bit about music. Um, is there anything in particular uh, that's new that you've been listening to or something you recently discovered? Um, what am I mostly been to be honest with you? I'm, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Run the Jewels, I'm listening to I'm definitely listening to Armin Hammer, uh, Shrines, uh, I'm listening to Tom York's last album, uh, uh, Anime. Is it on, I, did, uh, I didn't peep that one yet, it's good, yeah, oh, he's great, yeah. yeah, he's great, uh. Yeah, Anima. Uh, that that was good. Um, 
What else am I listening to? Those are probably the main things that I keep busy. And then uh, Guns, but like Chris, oh, yeah. every now and then, uh, I've written Testimony, uh, J Electronica, some joints. What do um, you think about that one? <sighs> I, w- I'm, I wasn't one of the people that was like heralding or heralding J Electronica as like a goat. I didn't see him as like a Really? I mean, no, I thought he was a good MC, but I was, I, I don't know. I guess I have the same opinion of him as I do with like Big L. I think like they're both really dope rappers. They're both really dope rappers. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. I was definitely an outlier. I know I was. A lot of people weren't weren't um weren't weren't on the same page with me with my J. I didn't have J. Electronica hate. I just didn't. I was just like you. Lupe Fiasco to me like ah, you're good but I don't fuck with you like heavy no man dude that dude he could spit man he could spit and you know he had this he had this he was like this mythical figure and uh, I think when I first heard about him was some random magazine that you know he had never been signed like you know I think he was messing with uh, Erica Badu I think she was they were recording together or, you know, something. Um, and I was like, who is this dude? And then yeah. I, I think I heard um, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, and I heard it with the, the movie edits in it. Mm. And I just thought that was cool. Right. I just thought he, he you know, because he, he did right. it in a way that was just like, yo, F any kind of structure. This is just what I like. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm using these scenes as brush strokes to express something in a way that I, I, you know, I think this thing captures it. Um, and it felt like a movie in some way. And I, I you know, I, I, I dug it. I dug it. I just, I just, yeah. just on that strength, I, I dug that. And then the, the other joint that he did, I think was, uh, was a Swiss Beats, I believe. Maybe, that was a Swiss yeah. Beats. Jay Electronica, Jay Electronica. Um, oh my God. Exhibit C, I think it is. That is Exhibit uh, C. I wanted to say Plan yeah. C, because, but I'd be fucking up. Yeah, it's Exhibit C. Yeah, that joint. That joint was dope. Yeah, so... All, those, those are, like, the two joints. Those, like, those are the two main joints right. that people call back to. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, his new album, though, like, what I thought... I don't know. I like, oh, Jay, I like Jay-Z better on some of the verses than I like Jay Electronica on it. It was strange. I think for me. I got on. I got on the 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 you know the tweets, and I was like, you know, I, I it looked like a you know a star in the night sky, and then and then as I kept listening to it, it was just like a dude turning around to face me, holding a you know a, a fishing rod with a with a with a light hanging off the edge of it. You know uh, what I'm saying? Sure, like sure. that's that's how it felt because. And the intro, cool, cool. But then it was like, right when I heard Jay Z's voice, I was like, "What? <laughs> it's just why? Right. Yeah. Why? You know, it's like you give me, you're giving me a Sprite can, and I open it and I drink, and it's got Pepsi in it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, there was that, a lot of Jay Z on that shit. There was a lot of. Jay-Z I don't, I don't mind when they collaborate. I don't mind if you. It, it just made a big difference because they're such brilliant rappers that. Mm-hmm. The presentation really meant a lot. So if you were to say, if this is like a, you know, a bad meets evil, right? A, a watch the throne type of watch the throne. Yeah, exactly. Watch the throne too. Then cool. You know, um, I would have been, I would have been all about it. It would have, I, I guarantee you, even if you were to given this album as it was, and and you would have presented yeah. to me that way, I probably would have had a different take on it. 
Um, but I, I, I yeah. It, it sounds like you didn't love it. It sounds like you didn't love it. I didn't it. love it, man. Okay. I didn't. But there were tracks on it. Like, I like Flex Capacitor. Yeah. Um, I think that's they, my main they joint. had some lines. Yeah. yeah, that's that joint song. I like Universal Soldier. Um, what's that joint? Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, it's like the first. The I think. It's, yeah. I feel like it's like the first joint. Uh, something. Uh, he's. Uh, uh, the blinding. Okay. I like the blinding. Uh, the never-ending story. Uh, I like that joint. But, like, there's nothing on here that I hate, and I'm surprised that shiny, shiny uh, suit theory is on there actually. But yeah. I, I like that song. Um, the never-ending story. I love the sample on there. I, I actually looked that dude up. I forgot his name, but he's he's dope. I think he's a Brazilian singer, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that that joint is dope, dope. Uh, but yeah, in general, it's just like yeah, it's cool. I mean, they're both brilliant what's, rappers. What's the Alchemist beat? Which one is that? Um, oh, the never-ending story. That's the Alchemist joint. Is that the Alchemist? Yeah, Alchemist yeah I think so. Okay. But I hold mean, on, it, on, you on. know, it just—it didn't feel like an album to me. Yeah, yeah, it didn't that feel joint, like that an album to dope. me. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's not bad. Yeah, I love the 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 the, the sample on there. It's beautiful. I think it's a Brazilian guy. He's, he's pretty yeah. dope. Yeah, mm. but no, it just didn't. It just didn't. It didn't do it for me, man. They they rap. They rap well. They're they're yeah. you know they're spitting. Yeah, it's not it's not bad raps at all. It just it felt kind of um, it felt kind of hastily thrown together. And after that long of a delay for an artist like Jay Electronica, with especially as much as like the acclaim he gets and and the type of conversation people have about him as an artist, I was underwhelmed. And it's probably better than you know a lot of shit. But I just I I haven't went back to it since probably the month it came out. Like I'm not at all. Yeah, I don't think that's it's in the track. Thing. Yeah, I don't go back to it. Like I, I every now and then, but not not really. I'll, almost it's, to some extent, it's almost like I feel guilty for not. That's why sometimes <laughs> you're not supporting I black businesses like, and shit. It's just yeah. like, oh wait, I forgot Jerry Electronica has an album out. Right. But he he's, he confesses though. I mean, he confesses on that album that basically I don't I didn't want to come out and you guys pull, pull you know puncture a bunch of holes in my shit because yeah. I didn't become this second coming that you thought I was yeah. going to become and I was going to disappoint you anyway right. and I think he had real reservations about doing that and so he you know but at the same time I, I once heard someone say you know we, we need our myths and I, and I agree with mm-hmm. that yeah that's why I don't want a, another Andre album I don't want an Andre 3000 album I'll just leave it to the myth like I don't really need it if he he I know he he says he's not into it, so why would I want to pressure him into making something? You know what I mean? So I just. But then be. when I hear him on the um Anderson Park, man, yeah. when I hear his verse, like man, he got to a point, right? Every time he did a collaboration, I literally would I listen to the beat come on, and then I would hold on, just sorry about that. Um, so yeah, his his collaborations were so dope that like on the Anderson Park song I Anderson Pack Anderson Pack sorry I would skip through the song man and, yeah. and he was <laughs> and he was killing it yeah he's great he was killing it right but uh I just wanted to hear Andre's verse mm-hmm. and and Andre was just just killing it man uh every time he comes out with a collaboration I I always 
I always got to listen. I always got to yeah. skip to it. Yeah, indeed. But, yeah, I mean, if he's not feeling, but, yeah, but what my point was is that it makes me be like, yo, why don't you come out with an album? Yeah, you just killed yeah. that. Yeah. But he's, like, worried about not messing up people's songs. Like, Maybe it's a different when you're in the driver's seat. You know what I mean? Like, he has to think about beat selection and how if he wants to just rap or if he's going to do some weird Andre type of thing on it. So maybe it's just that type of creative um, impediment to, to him. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like uh, I, I love Andre, but I'm not wishing for, for more albums. You know, I've got, Dude, I, there was yeah. a point, right. It was probably about, I can't remember, maybe like three years ago where he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm recording. And he's like, I got this idea. And I need to hurry up and execute it before somebody else does it. And I yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. Like, uh, I'm excited for another Kendrick album. But he's about the only kind of mainstream cat that I pay attention to uh, in terms of like new projects and shit. Like, I'm not really interested in a lot of stuff. I've been listening to a lot of the weird kids. The new young kids, um, the cats that would work with like an Arm and Hammer, like, you know, Akai Solo, I rock with him, Mike, Medani. These are the type of cats that I'm really excited about. Like this new, raw, personal hip hop that is very much fixed in like the tradition of hip hop, like beat rapper. You know what I mean? It's like odd beat, personal raps. I heard Mike and my first thought was like, and this is, I don't mean this as an insult. I really do not mean this as an insult, but this is just an honest, an honest thought I had is when I turned on, uh, his, well, what album was that? His, um, uh, one of his one albums. Of his first yeah. 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 Uh, uh, may God bless your hustle. No, war, war, in, my pen. war in my pen. Um, okay. yeah. When I first heard that, I was like, yo, is, is Earl sweatshirt? Is he going by a different name? And why, why is he spitting so lovely on here? Right. And, and I had to re-listen to it intently because I I thought it was Earl Sweatshirt. After I I actually believe that Earl is the one that has been influenced by Mike. Like if you like oh, if you listen, sure. I, yeah. I if you if you listen to like um the album where Earl really makes this switch to the point where he's at now, he even says like I was in the kitchen with that nigga Mike, and Mike had already been making music along this kind of sonic palette, and all of Earl's new shit. And I actually think Earl is in the best place that he's ever been with his rhymes. I think he's a genius. His new mm. collaboration on black oblivion. I think it's like, he, he's just incredible rhyming right now. It's like poetry in the tradition of like his father. He like, he's a new person, but I think he really was influenced by Mike. And I think Mike influenced uh, the wave of these guys that are, I mean, it's, it's also rock Marciano. You know what I mean? It's rock yeah. Marciano. It's Ka. It's, you know, this whole oh, new New York sound is what I what I think it sounds like. And even some yeah, of those cats James, aren't from James, New York. James Baldy? What's that? Uh, Baldy James. Baldy James? Baldy yeah. James. Yeah. He's dope, yeah. too. He's dope, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I dig that, dude. But, uh, yeah, Mike is, Mike, you know, I love standing on the corner. And, uh, yeah. We were going to review about, that album together. Me, I you, know. and Leda a while back, but it, yeah. it never happened. But, yeah, that's yeah. standing on the corner shit. I didn't yeah, even know nah. they were associated with Mike and them at the time that you introduced me to that album. I hadn't heard it until you told me about it. But yeah, I think I heard that before I heard "War, War in My Pen." Mm. Like Mike was a was a guy that I just kept seeing, and so I think you said something to me, and, and so I the minute you said something, I kept my 
you know, I kept my eye on him, like, all right, this dude. And then, yeah. and then I kept hearing his names in Earl Shirt with, yeah, mentioned him in interviews and stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's dope, man. I, I'm liking him. I like him a lot. And then this other dude, I think I mentioned him to you was, um, because, you know, the, the, the Fridays was the second, fr- second, second Fridays of every month for, uh, band camp. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, so I've been picking up stuff like, uh, floating polygons, boogie. Not familiar. He, he is with, uh, he was rolling with, we are karma kids. Okay. Um, yo, that dude is sick. Like he's, he's as weird. He's not a hippie dude, but if you listen to his stuff, you, you would think that he sort of has flourishes of hippiness but it's not mm-hmm. really like that like he's talking about literally his album is called floating polygons dog. okay like, he's talking about quasars and shit but okay he, but he you had to listen to him man he's, i'm gonna he's play actually, it yeah, yeah i'll play it after this dope. Yeah. yeah uh I'm, i've been i've been rocking with him you know what i'm saying and uh what is it 7 30 and uh against dean um, okay yeah, so since the second Fridays and stuff, I've just been like, just, yeah, just picking Slipped up these albums. Uh, music and shit. Yeah, I feel you, man. Word. So let's, um, what do you think about the Run the Jewels joint? The new Run the Jewels? Run the Jewels. I love Run the Jewels. Uh, I've loved every single album that they've come yeah. out with. They've progressively gotten better with each album. Um, I see two people who definitely trust each other in their collaboration, which is extremely important. LP's uh, production, yeah, I, I, he's an interesting dude because I think the way he, I mean, you, man, you hear, you hear Kraftwerk, you hear, you know, uh, Bomb Squad, Public Enemy, Bomb mm-hmm. Squad, excuse me, Bomb Squad. I mean, you hear that in his stuff, you know. Um, so it's interesting how he kind of lives in that groove, but he's always sort of reinterpreting it, mm-hmm. you know. He. Um, He's always kind of reinventing that that sort of groove that he yeah. lives in, as far as the, the the textures and the you know, like when I say nanotechnology, it's like I think about LP. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So when I hear that, when I hear his stuff, and I see how he reinterprets it, he's never gone. He's never gotten redundant to me. You know, he has and kind he, of perfected his formula, right? It's like it, it's strange so. because he's it's so singular too. It's like you can right. hear somebody that makes beats and it's like mad. It's like it's like Mad Lib type beat. It's like Alchemist type beat. And they sound like it could be one of those beats, but you never catch an LP imposter that makes you feel like no, this could be an LP so. type of beat. And he's really one of the only artists that's really done that, that has a career that spans as long as his does. He's been making only, you know, dope beats. Funny since, you say that. Yeah. The only person that I would say that, how do I? Say, he definitely had his own thing, but he's one of the few people that I would say uh, kind of, kind of echoes LP, but not as precisely. Because uh, this guy, I think his name is. I want to say his name is Ark Sin. Mm. He uh, he produced uh, Best Buy Homecoming. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't even know that was a, that's not LP. <laughs> if I recall no. the track. Okay. I mean, I guess yeah. it must be in that lane then. It must be in that lane then. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know what their relationship, I, I think they have some yeah. kind of relationship, but um, he's the only dude. And, and the fact that, how do I say this? Basically, 
with Arctic Chipmunks. Like, because that's one of my favorite songs. I, I love that song. Mm -hmm. But like when you listen to it and know it's like he may not be trying to sound necessarily like LP, but you can tell he's heavily influenced. Yeah. Um, LP is also interesting. That like, okay. what's dope? What I like about LP is that he's perfected making black music that doesn't sound black and i appreciate that as a white man like his music doesn't have soul it doesn't have like the samples or the feeling of soul it doesn't have like a a jay dilla-esque type of no. something to it you know it, it 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 sounds uniquely non-black music in the same way that eminem makes like non-black rap music there's something about it that just doesn't echo blackness to me whatsoever. And I like when white artists do that. Sometimes Eminem is like, I don't care for Eminem, but when a white artist embraces their whiteness and is not trying to make black art, even though they're making yeah. hip hop, I, I dig it. Yeah. And LP right. has always tried to just be dope as himself, as this dude from Brooklyn. And so his music is very Brooklyn, is very New York, but it doesn't sound very black to me. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, he was one of, you know, he comes from the era of basically you have, what, you got LP, you got Aesop, you got Atmosphere, yeah. all them dudes, you know. Uh, the entire living legends, uh, like, yeah, the yeah. whole underground well, I'm economy. I'm saying, like, as far as, as, far as white MCs, like, oh, idea. okay. Um, Anticon. Anti-con. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Anti-con. Yeah, Super I mean, white rap. <laughs> they just rap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they. That's just who they are. Right. And I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like no. No offense, to L. Because I don't. I'm not trying to associate him with Anti-con. But at the same time, I. As far as what you're saying, as far as them just being who they are. Yeah. I think that's what LP. What LP was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But I. I will say that that one joint with um. The Gangsta Boo. The Gangsta Boo. Okay. Got done walking through the cell. I love those drums. Yeah. Like during that hook. Yeah. Woo! That shit to me, that, that shit's got soul. That shit definitely yeah. swings. Okay, okay. Sure, sure. It do got swing. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. LP's drums, um, they just speak to the B-boy in me. They, they make me yeah. feel like a B-boy again when I hear it. Not necessarily like I want to break dance to this, but I have that, that energy he he's dope man i really like the album um i don't know if it's my favorite run the jewels album but there are some really really strong moments on this album that mm, that i think run the jewels album. yeah i think run the jewels 2 might still be my favorite run the jewels album but uh you know you're just talking about that walking the snow joint killer mike's mm. verse on that is just one of his best verses ever you know, yeah. it's so poignant. It's it's exactly what you want from him. Uh, it's yeah. powerful and man, it, it's right on time too. So, yeah, that yeah, that that exactly. is incredible. Yeah. It's one of those, you know. It's it, I don't, I don't, as far as in, in a white in a white context, it's it, it was prophetic, but in reality, it wasn't. Right. But at the same time, it definitely you know came out at the right time yeah. and caught fire at the time that it needed to catch fire. So like. Yeah, we, you, we, we needed that. You know? You, you know, speaking speaking of the whiteness of LP, which, you know, he's a hip-hop head through and through. One of my favorites ever. Like, the Run the Jewel shit is the blackest music that he's made since Company Flow. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it, it, it really, not to say that, like, uh, 
he's a white artist. He makes white music or anything like that. He's a hip hop artist. He makes hip hop music. But I, I feel like it is divorced from a certain soul. But his kind of synergy uh, that he has with Killer Mike is, is you couldn't ask for more. Uh, it's a perfect right. pairing, and and together yeah. they make some of the dopest, the, some of the dopest music that's that's ever come out in hip hop genre. And and while we were talking about with Billy Woods, LP's career resurgence over these last ten years is mm. incredible. He's one of those artists yeah. to me that I feel like I I recall seeing somebody um, several years back and was like, "Yo, name an artist whose catalog is better than Kanye West." You know, as long as it's been and as dope as it's been. And, you know, I'm not a big Kanye fan like that. But I was like, yo, LP has had an incredible run. You starting at Company Flow, you know, his jazz album, Cannibal Ox, you know, all the contribution he's made to hip hop culture. He's one of the most uh, critic like he doesn't get a, enough credit, I think, in the hip hop sphere. And you see it even when he goes to when finally they get run the jewels into like hot 97 or power, you know, power 105 FM or whatever. They talk to Killer Mike. They get Killer Mike's take. And it seems like they just don't realize that LP is one of the most important people in hip hop in terms of just his approach to like Ruckus Records doesn't start without company flow. You know what I mean? Like that model of that independent as fuck model doesn't start without company flow. And that whole um, movement of underground hip hop that took off and that whole scene that, you know, that, that, you know, got college kids into uh, rap music and hip hop music that weren't doing four elements. Company flow and definitive jucks are largely responsible for that. And so guys like Little B, I think. And and just anybody who's independent really, really owes um, at least you know um a thumbs up to lp yeah. well yeah i mean you know they were doing it in, what in like 90 98 right when everything was getting consolidated yeah, I mean, yeah. They were, like fun they crusher were plus it, is man. pressed and released in like night late, late 96 i think 97 is it 97 wow. well i mean fun crusher plus is like the it, it's all the fun crusher tracks that was yeah. a weird release man that yeah. was like uh i think I it's know, the, i don't need I think it's the album that launched Rockus Records. I might be wrong on that though. But yeah. well, they put it. Uh, I think they put it out. I want to say they put that out as an EP, and it was literally right. just like them sending random right. things, and then they would record extra songs and add to it. And finally, they got signed, and Rockus was like, "Yo, we want to put that out." Right. Um, well, that's that's where the plus comes from. Fun Crusher Plus was all right. of the original Fun Crusher tracks, plus several more, including like the the um stretching bobito freestyle and everything like that so also like um i i mean i remember watching end-to-end burners on bet like right before make them say uh it, what a weird time for fucking rap music yeah that was a weird time but yeah man yeah that's uh oh is, is bms uh is that the one where BMS is breakdancing? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know if that was BMS breaking dancing, but uh, Bobito is definitely on? breaking on that. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's okay. the one where they're in the train and the graffiti is going yeah. across the subway, like you know. Yeah, yeah okay, that's yeah. yeah. So BMS, he's the cop. Oh, oh shit, popping and shit. I think he was. Yeah, yeah I think he was popping yeah. in that. Okay, damn, yeah. that's dope. I, I had no idea that was BMS, but. Cool, yeah, cool. LP that I find that's and that's interesting yeah. as far as the, you know the where he from where he came from, 
is I think he started where he's performing predominantly in, you know, amongst, in, to a black crowd because that dude's been around since like, I think 89, 90. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he'd been through that and then the scene got white and now he is in basically in the mainstream. Right. And his audience is, it's not predominantly black again, but definitely with Killer Mike. He's, he got black he fans. I think I think they're packed. Yeah, I think I think a majority of their fan base and, and as with most um rap music, hip hop music, like the majority of fan base be be white. Even no names fan base be be white. So yeah. it is it, it's, it's strange, but but yeah, that's dope. Um if I could touch on one more album before we get out of here. Are, are you good with time? I think maybe maybe another 10 minutes would be straight. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 uh it is getting it is getting kind of late, but um, speaking of, well, we were talking about like non-black rap music with LP, which, uh, you know, no diss, no diss. I mean, it's, 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 it's whatever, but man, this new Arm & Hammer shit is like the blackest music that I've heard in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know if you've read any of like Frank Wilderson's Afro pessimism, but some reason this album and that stark sound of, of shrines uh, and Arm and Hammer in general, just to me, it speaks to like a deep seated blackness. The shit is black as fuck, dog. I don't even know how else to yeah. describe it. it yeah, is, I mean, uh, you know, what they do is, is for me, I, the stuff has, I mean, their stuff is the way they write, it just has to marinate in, in me. You know, I have to keep listening to it. Then the lines start popping uh, out, and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. catch that. Yeah, yeah but it's like, um, Hold up, man. I had a, I had this. I just read this line. I was like, oh, where is it? Where is it? I can't. I didn't say what song it is. It says, um, "Power people, not computers. Black futures. Nudging flat earthers off the block like Hubert. I used to think I was better than this. I was dismissed. I was impressed how they boiled it down to a gift. Get the mm. fuck out of here, yo. Mm. Cashstrap HBCU, but I'll take it." Plagiarized. This is war. Throw Foster Wallace, but I'll fake it. Come mm, on, yo. They're, 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 uh, I, I put people onto it, right? Like, I put young rap cats onto it. I put intellectuals onto it. I put just people onto it that I think would like it. And the face is always just like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yo, like yeah. my homie, um, peace, peace to my homie, Knee Block. Uh, yeah. he, he, uh, you know, he, he listens to more conventional rap shit, right? But he's also probably the smartest cat that I know. He's a, he's like, um, he's about to be a professor of, like, political science. And we probably should get him on the podcast at some point because he's just brilliant. He knows so much about history and, and theory and everything. But, you know, I, I put him on to, like, some of it. I put him on to some of it because there was a line that Billy Wood says there. He's like, uh, Shorty can't eat no book is what I told Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I was like, oh, bars. And he's just like, like I know he's listening to it. And he's like, well, I get that. But what the fuck is going on with the rest of this rap shit? And it, it, it just sounds like they're, they're deeply intellectual, right? Uh, obviously, they're, they're writing styles. But it also is, it, it's so unconventional. Most of the time, the lines aren't rhyming. It's almost like a spoken word poetry, like a, a Mike Ladd, a spoken word poetry over beats. But they're capable of painting these so vivid pictures like the the um, I think it's 
I think it's Dead Cars. Um, Dead Cars. Ooh. The uh, the second verse yeah. on Dead Cars by Billy Woods is like the most dystopian picture you could paint. That is, com- it's it's an urban hell. It's almost like he's looking out his window, but he sees it through the lens of Afro pessimism and how deeply dark it is for the black experience. I I, I can't, I I can't do yeah. them justice. I just hope that more people can gravitate to it, cause man, what I what I hear as far as their writing is concerned is it sounds like it sounds like uh, two dudes that really invested in writing um, streams of consciousness for a very long time until it was able to uh, marinate and they were able to sort of, how do I say? Because when you write stream of consciousness, you know, it's not always, it's, it's not predictable. You just let the pen go, you know, it's like, if we, you know, I was taught in school to use it as an exercise mm-hmm. um, just to sort of like free, free your mind to be able to receive other things that, that are going to come later on. Mm-hmm. And so I think they just kind of, what I get from them is they, they free write forever and ever and ever until they're able to connect some dots. And it's a mixture of that. And I think it's a mixture of, you know, stopping and then looking at what they wrote and being able to splice together certain lines until it somehow makes a cohesive thought that right. is not apparent at first. And eventually you start to get it because I think, especially from, from, from their perspective and from people who have, you know, you know, from our perspective in general, I feel like as a, as a, as a writer, um, when you, when you write, you inherently develop certain themes that you may not even understand that you already have in you. So they kind of jump out, whether you even realize it or not, whether you even do it on purpose or not. So I think that it, it's been a thing of, that's the way they that's what has seasoned them to be now so yeah. that's why it's like when i listen to it after at first it's like uh like because it's like the the lines they just they 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 don't always they rhyme but they don't always uh uh blend together it's not like one sentence follows you know the, the preceding sentence makes sense one after another you know it's not like each sentence is is making sense of the previous one in their they're cohesive. Mm-hmm. It's more like these sort of, uh, you know, how do I say? I think uh, the, I once somebody once referred to Basquiat's poetry as like concrete poetry, mm. where like music concrete, but with with poetry. Yeah, well, it's like one line, and then the other line, it, it, they're totally separate from each other, and then another line, the all three are separate, but they somehow make some some sense. They they. Mm-hmm. they Sometimes it depends on the on the context, right. but it can be like, and it's weird like that. It almost works like classical music, to where, mm-hmm. you know, I could I love sitting in the park and I'll listen to I'll listen to uh, I don't know what's his name uh, uh, Gegger. Am I saying his name wrong? Gegger Leggetti Leggetti, uh, bugged out dude, classical shit, dude's out of his mind. But anyway, I could sit there and I'd listen to shit, and then dude would just have a piano playing like these crazy phonetic lines uh, uh like two or three notes and they just keep going after another but they, they they slow down they speed up and they do these different rhythms and as i'm listening to this and they'll do pauses you know sometimes he'll have strings but he's the guy that scored um he's the guy that scored the 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 shinies oh okay he, 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 right so 
I'll be listening to his stuff, and then something I'll watch some kid ride their bike, and an instrument in his song will end、mm. as the kid is exiting, and then something else in the music will begin as like somebody passes me, or as a bird lands,、mm. or as some kid falls off his bike. Something in the、yeah. music is like scoring as I'm seeing. So it's the same thing with listening to Arm and Hammer. Is those lines seem to be able to score certain things that are happening as I'm as I'm experiencing、Word. or as I'm witnessing them, and it'll jump out. Like、yeah. you know, I, I wrote a, a review about Basquet when they had the show here, and、uh, you know that 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 big head that he drew, this big black skull that sold the, the guy. What's his name?、Um, Who owns a、uh, not Rakuten? What's、that? I forgot one one of these、um, big online retail、um, companies. Okay.、Uh, he bought he bought that 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 painting for a hundred million dollars. It's a I heard about that. The、yeah. highest selling yeah the highest selling painting in the American highest selling American painting sold in American history whatever. And you know that was big you know and I got and I got off as I came from that show I was so you know disappointed and and just. Angry and you know、yeah. they didn't get it. They totally did not get it.、Right. You know, and I get on the train and they got all these paintings. They got all these you know the, the damn black skull. And I I put on I think it's the second song where he's like uh it's off uh, uh is it paraffin?、Um, yeah, that's the last、uh, joint. All that all that he's seen, Brenda Hold in his brain only、mm. came back to tell him about the fucking flames. Like what?、Mm. Like that? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. at these skulls. And I'm hearing that I'm hearing that in my headphones, and I'm like, yes,、right. that's that that's it, that's it. Right. And you know, so my okay, so I like shrines. I like shrines.、Uh, I'm still honestly, I'm still marinating on it, and I'm sure it's, it's gonna. It's, it's, I'll probably have more to say later on, but、uh, as I listen to more, it, it, you know, one thing that that people keep, I feel like people keep remarking on, which I think is, I think sticks out. I think it's it, it sticks out to me too is、um, about the lion about like you know if that shit's hungry I'd take chicken. <laughs> oh, you talking about the tiger that that whole story about yeah, the the tiger. the tiger in Harlem, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. and then and then that the album cover is the best. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the other one where the lady's talking about survival and then,、mm. and redefining what survival actually means—something、mm. that lives continues to live beyond your life, you know. Right.、Um, Yeah, but there's there's a lot of lines, man. I'm a I'm a black hole. I'm a light bender. Right.、Um, yeah. This, yeah. The it, it's、so. it's sonically different in a lot of ways than their previous projects, and they've got some collaborations on there that surprised me. Like um, we were talking about we were talking about uh Anticon earlier. Uh, Andrew Broder, who used to be with Fog, who was a、uh, you know he worked a lot with um Yoni from Y. Uh, he produced like two of the tracks on here. Co-produced like two of the tracks, and I thought that was interesting.、Um, but but yeah, man, it's it's just a really dope project. I advise people to check it out.、Um, especially, I feel like if you've read any Afro pessimism, you should listen to this album because it is、uh, if it gives me that sensation. But my iPad's about to die, and I don't want it to die before we get out of here. It got like seven percent. At some reason, a battery on this joint dies quickly when I use Zoom. Only you get it for about like an hour and a half. But、um, I want to thank you again, my brother. I'm so glad that I know you and I appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to recording more with you on the Fire This Time podcast in the future. We're going to kill that.、Um, would you give us、uh, some social media shoutouts before we get out of here? 
social media. Shout like out. where 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 to find you, your work, and and things oh, of that nature. Oh, at the at the uh, on Twitter, I'm on at the Micro Giants. Uh, my website, themicrogiant.com. Um, you can find me any any of those spots is is fine. Um, at at the Micro Giant or themicrogiant.com. Uh, that's me. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm on I'm on Facebook too, but mostly you know Twitter and, and my website. All right, bet man. Um, well, shoot, this episode will be out in, in in a day or two. I'll go ahead and edit and get it out. But um, yeah, it looks like I don't have video anymore. Thank you, Tracy, man. I'll get with you soon. All right, brother. Take care, man. All right, peace. Peace. How do I turn this joint off? All right, um, yo. Thank you for tuning in to uh, this telephone type of episode temperature check with our guy tracy jones um word man uh thank thank you all for listening to us all the time we'll have some new episodes for you guys soon uh excuse me uh some new episodes for you guys soon actual episodes with people here in studio uh, i do like the idea of doing the phone telephone conversations uh maybe i'll focus on getting some more independent underground artists because uh, i like that so uh peace mega late show